Let's go. Welcome to another episode of the Let's Go Hockey Podcast. This is producer Vinny here with you for a special re-release episode. This was actually the third one we ever released with Derek Miller, who is the director of player performance with the Ottawa 67s in the OHL. Derek had an incredible interview with us, gave us a ton of knowledge, and we want to share it with some of our new listeners. If you've been around to have heard this episode, thanks for sticking around. But we know we have a lot of new listeners out there, and we wanted to make sure that everybody gets a chance to hear this one. As some of you may know, the Ottawa 67s have a pretty great track record of getting guys drafted into the NHL. And this year they had two first rounders, Marco Rossi and Jack Quinn. Really, really amazing stuff that Derek does with these players. So let's dive into this one. And like Danny says, make sure you cross check that like button, comment, subscribe, go give us a follow on Instagram and make sure you follow Derek on Instagram at NextGenHockey. That's N-E-X-T-G-E-N-H-K-Y. Before we get to the interview, we have to make sure we thank our wonderful sponsor, HockeyWolf.com. These guys have been incredible to us. Hopefully, you are going to HockeyWolf.com for all of your hockey needs. And if you are a coach or an organizational leader, make sure you check out Hockey Wolf's team sales program, Go over to their website right now. That's H-O-C-K-E-Y-W-O-L-F.com. Hockey Wolf, thank you guys so much. Let's go to the show. Without further ado, what do you say? Should we send it on over to Millsy and go from there? Yeah, let's do it. Let's go. What's going on, everybody? I'm your host, Danny Heath of Project Hockey. We got Derek Miller on board with us from Nipawa, Manitoba, Director of Player Development at both Carleton University and the Ottawa 67s, who are having an unbelievable year before the virus took its course. Owner and head coach of Next Generation Hockey Fit Incorporated, just shy of 10,000 kids he helps out and coaches every single year. Uh, winner of the prestigious award, Ottawa Top 40 Under 40. Has a beautiful wife, Rachel, daughter, Blakely, son, Jet, and another daughter, Tenley. Tenley. I knew it. Hey, not bad for my first one. I got about 15 out of, out of 16 there. So now I'll send it over to our co-host, Pete. What you got for us? Yeah, Derek, thanks for joining us here. I'm excited to hear uh, more about your background and, and what you got going. So let's start with there. Why don't we, uh, I'll hand it to you, let you introduce kind of a little bit about your, your playing background and coaching background, how you got involved in the game and what brought you to uh, current day, what you're up with. Well, I think uh, I think probably I speak for all of us when we get you, we all kind of end up here in the same way that we just have a genuine passion and desire to be in the game. And once our careers have ran our course, we we want to jump on the first opportunity we can to start giving back to the game that gave so much to us. So, um, I uh, I was a biology student studying to uh, to go into a, a, one of those fields, and I had a uh, an unfortunate um, unfortunately my internship took a turn and what was the next best thing that I could do for a summer was teach hockey. And I started doing that in 2002 and I became absolutely hooked from then. And I knew this is exactly what I wanted to do. So, um, played all the way up until 2008, suffered a pretty good injury. Um, was going to go back and play, but I just had the coaching bug and I've, and I poured myself into it full time ever since 2008. So, um, it, uh, it, it's landed me in a pretty good spot here in Ottawa. So I'm pretty thankful for the game uh, to allow me to continue to be part of it. 
Very cool. Very cool. So let's jump into your playing. So walk me through where you played from, like, where were you in youth hockey up into juniors, college, pro, like step-by-step real quick. Where was that? I I grew up in the middle of nowhere, Manitoba, in a town as Danny referred to, Nipua. Mm -hmm. I I played there all my minor hockey. I was fortunate. They have a junior hockey team. I got to play with them for three and a half seasons. Um, And then my last year, I... uh, I packed my bags and headed out to British Columbia and played for the Nanaimo Clippers out there. Had a great, uh, a great stint for that last year. And uh, why I come back to my Midwestern roots with uh, you guys is I ended up in Wisconsin Superior, had uh, an incredible four years there, competed for championships, played in national championships. And um, that's where this kind of hockey journey took off. Um, I, I moved on from there and I played three years of semi-pro uh, as I mentioned, I suffered a, a pretty good injury that pushed me towards coaching. Um, so those three years were spent in uh, in Elmira, in Shreveport, and in uh, Davenport with Quad City Mallards. So I had uh, I got to see the country and and meet a lot of great people and um, have have some really good coaches, have some really bad coaches, and that's kind of what made me want to be uh, a coach is to give back as much as I could from all the people that I've crossed paths with along the way and. Um, moved to Ottawa in 2008. Um, that was uh, that was something new to me. Never never been here. Never had no friends here, and uh, moved here on an opportunity and worked for somebody for six months and realized I wanted to do it my own way and been on my own ever since. Um, organically growing through minor hockey coaching through major AAA and now and now coaching the highest level of, uh, of tiered hockey in Canada with the major junior athletes. So. I feel like I've landed in a pretty good spot, all things considered, coming from the middle of nowhere, Manitoba. Awesome, awesome. So that takes you up to today pretty much, uh, you know. Yeah. Hopefully you have friends there now in Ottawa. Yeah, yeah, you know what, I've I've, I've made a few. I average about two a year that I make, so. uh, There you go, so you got a couple. You only need need so many, right? I'm starting Um, to count them on my toes now, finally. That's good. (laughs) Awesome. So now you're with, uh, with the Ottawa 67s, right? Yep. And that's uh, and that's OHL team. Yeah, that's OHL Major Junior. Um, with uh, it's it's arguably the the best junior hockey in North America. I'll give credit where it's due with the USHL and the strides that that they come every single year. It's just a slightly different game, um, um, I would say. But it is uh, it is some pretty impressive talent um, that that run rampant through across every single team that you can't believe the athleticism these guys present and how ready they are to make that next step. So it's a pretty fun place to, to have uh, my hand in the cookie jar and get to be a part of. Yeah, absolutely. And I know, I know it's kind of, I mean, that league feeds into the NHL, right? So those, those kids grown men really have to be ready. And I, I, so I know that you have a big part of doing that as far as the development side and, and digging into the weeds with these kids and working on like little tiny skills and more of a, a what they need basis. And, uh, do you want to kind of dive into that a little bit and just talk about what a typical before all this stuff happened, but what a typical week looks like for development, uh, as far as from your view on with the Ottawa 67s. Yeah. Let me dial it back even a step further. I think what the differentiator in what skill development is becoming now goes goes beyond what what a week looks like. It, it's it's really part of your season plan, and I'm pretty fortunate to to coach with Team Canada's World Junior Coach for the upcoming World Juniors is is my head coach. However, we're we all have our roles and responsibilities, so I, I get to sit down and marinate and listen to guys like that and learn. And so our plan is is incredibly detailed that 
we're not only talking about individual skill for athletes, which is one element, which we get plenty of time to work on, which I'll elaborate on, but we also have tactical plans that, that normally have about four pillars that we work, that dictates how we work individually with our athletes as well. So it's, it's a multi-layered approach and it all ties back to one, one goal at the end of the day from, from a team goal down to the systems, then down to the tactics, then down to the individual skill development. They all kind of lend a hand to each other. So we've got a pretty unique setup um, here that, that I don't think everybody has. Um, but what, what that does for us is when we do get into our weekly schedule that as a skill coach, I get an enormous amount of time with their athletes. I can be with them almost every single day if I can be at the rink. But if, if I walk through a typical week, our Mondays are, are typically our off day after, um, after a weekend, then we hit the ice Tuesday. They have practice, but there's also skill within practice. So we'll hit the ice with the younger half of the younger guys before, and they'll, they'll, we'll touch on all their individual development plans, what they need to work on, and then team practice, and then we hit the ice with the older guys, the guys that aren't heading off to school. The guys can stay around a little bit longer. Um, and and then that, that repeats itself again on Wednesday. And that's our typical week where they get that individual skill. However, we'll be coming back in on Thursday and maybe even Friday. And that's where the tactics come into play. We'll work on some face-off stuff. We'll work on some boxing out. We'll work on some creating space for yourself. That's where we take and we sequence the series of skills we're working on into a recognizable game situation. So then it all translates. And by Friday, Saturday, Sunday, when it's game time, they've... Uh, it's kind of been there, done that mentality that they get there. It doesn't feel like um, working on your inside edge anymore. Like we started on on Tuesday. Right. It's a yeah. pretty holistic approach. For sure. And, and the way like you think about hockey and work through things uh, and what I'd love for you to dive into just a little bit deeper is the idea of like a lot of these skills coaches that you're seeing out there nowadays. And, and I love that they're working in hockey and that they're trying to make the game better. Uh, but what I love about watching your stuff is that like, there's a lot of buzz phrases in our game, like, Oh, you need to create time and space or you need to blah, yeah. blah, blah. And what I love about what you do is like, Hey, you need to create time and space, but here's five ways how you actually create time and space. And here's how you use those in games. And here's, here's Connor McDavid doing it on a two on one or things like that. And so I, I love the idea that your buzzwords come with a little bit of substance. And so I don't know if you want to dive in, but if you could talk yeah, about like absolutely. how you use video and how you use different things like that to show your athletes and your players that, Hey, this matters. And here it's not a buzzword. We're going to put it with some substance. Yeah. I think, I think first and foremost that, that all skill development needs to be periodized. So like beginning of the year to look different than it does. It would for us right now that, that we wouldn't be working on individual skill that if I identify that one of my athletes has a, is, is crossing over and landing on heel and not toe. Okay, we're going to work on some, we're going to build them up at the beginning of the year, but I'm not going to be working on that near the end. So we periodize it for one, but we also look at every single deficiency within a player's game. And you kind of like, I'll, I'll use the term reverse engineer. Somebody needs to translate off the rush or shoot off the rush. Well, okay, we need to, to generate your offense off the rush where we're going to take and we're going to isolate the skills you need for that skill. Then we're going to start sequencing them together then we're going to take them, we're going to pattern them to game situations. Then we're going to add in stress. And there's two different kinds of stress. There's, there's, uh, there's controlled stress, which would be from a coach, so we get a, a predictable outcome. And then the second part of stress is chaotic, where we start adding other pieces back in where the player has to read and react, more similar to a game. So we put noise back into their game. And I think that's the differentiator between 
doing skill and what I call somebody who's selling tickets, it's all about the flash and maybe just they just like using the big buzzwords or actually putting some substance behind it like you talked about. There's a plan. There's several layers to this onion and we're not just, oh, well, you need to you need to get better at shooting off zone entry. Let's just go shoot off zone entry. Well, there's puck prep. There's creating, there's creating space for yourself by making the defender cross over. There's shooting through the screen. There's creating triangles. There's creating space for others. And we'll work on all those skills on how to get there. And then that adds a lot of meat to the bone. And the players, once we get to the patterning phase, they're like, ah, oh, I get it. I recognize the situation. I need to use this skill in. And I can feel it. It's all about creating that feeling again and again for them. And that's why it translates so fast versus just go and do it. So, so it's... It, it, thank you for the compliment, but it is just, it's the way that, that myself and my, and my partner, Evan, our brains work. We just, we can't get there any other way. Maybe we're just simple people and we, <laughs> that, that just forces us to, to be better hockey coaches, but we just can't get to development, part of skill development without dialing it back and putting that much meat on the bone. Absolutely. I love that. It sounds like you just creating controlled situations, but very essentially variables where it's not just going around and, and doing an exact pattern every time, but creating variables and progressing them up to where they become applicable in different yeah. scenarios within a game. So, and that, and that topic in itself, it, it has a, it has, there's a lot to that. I could talk about um, from isolating skill, the stressing skill for, for the full hour we're here on, on all the different aspects of it that, that, it, they're really important for anybody to understand. Maybe I don't want to give away my secret sauce, but uh, I, I got no problem sharing with you guys offline if, if you need. <laughs> share, share away. Uh, well, awesome. Let me see here. Let's, um, so, so if we, we talk about, you know, we're in kind of a unique situation now, given what's going on with the world and, you know, off seasons um, hitting us a little bit earlier than anticipated. So wow. what are you, um, you know, what are you, what are you telling your athletes now that they're maybe in quarantine or in you know back home and they're they're on their own training? How are you prepping them for the like going into the off season? And is that any different than what you how you prep them normally in like a regular if this were to play out like a regular season? Yeah, it's it's totally new, and it's I guess it's the the FIO the figure it out model that up until yesterday our season was still on. So we just got the heartbreaking news that uh, our season has been canceled. We completely understand why, but that doesn't take the sting out of it still. Um, so now it's up till now, it's been just maintaining what we have because our guys have been gone for about only nine days, 10 days. So we were kind of crossing our fingers and hoping we wouldn't have to put a contingency plan in place or adjust what we normally do. But um, our plan going forward is we, we have to understand that not all our athletes have the same means. Not everybody has an empty basement they can shoot in or a garage or, or anything like that. But the things that we're preaching to our players is, is find the resource that you, that resonates with you right now and what that is and share it with us. And we will help you, um, decide what parts of it really make sense for your development and we'll work on the long term how this how we can make it better along the way but find something you're comfortable with whether that's project hockey which I've recommended to all of them whether that's just jumping on and stealing something offline but I think the most important thing for all the athletes right now is they need to be accountable they need to have consistency and they need to be looking themselves in the mirror every day and like did I put in my work today Whatever I did, did I put in my work? Because getting down to the granular details of a skill right now for every single one of our players, it can be a little challenging. We'll work through it, but it's going to take a lot of time. And, and for us, especially, that will come in our exit meetings, which begin next early next week. Um, 
But between then and now, we're just preaching that they got to be consistent. They got to get up early. They got to put in their time. So if you're going to work out at nine, work out at nine every day. If you're going to go for a run, go for a run at 10 after your workout inside every day. If you're going to go and, and put in some time in your basement, shooting pucks or whatever it is, go there and put that in, but don't skip. Don't just, it, it can't be random. There has to be done with a purpose. So until we have the time to go, here's what you're doing. This is your stair workout. This is your, um, this is your strength workout. And here's the package. Um, right now we're just, we're just making sure we hold their hands to the fire on more, more of an accountability standpoint for us. Um, how, how are you staying in touch with your, with your players right now going, um, going forward? How often are you talking with them? Is it, and how are you meeting with them? Um, right in the short term right now, um, we're, we're just, we're doing exactly this. We had a zoom meeting last night with the entire team to, to talk about what, what the next steps are, what to expect. Um, we've just, there's a, there's a lot of WhatsApp taking place, um, that, video conference calls guys are sending videos if guys have the means and have a wide open basement and they're working on their shot um they're sending me clips of them doing simulating situations on the ice that we've already maybe worked on and hey my, my hand my bottom hand release doesn't feel quite right as i shoot through um what do you see and okay well it's it's actually your left leg you're not kicking it back quick enough or whatever it might be that, that we're utilizing technology as best we can um, but again, that's accountability on our athletes to say, Hey, I want to get better at this. This doesn't quite feel right. Hey, Derek, what can I do? And unfortunately not all of them are as driven and I, I can't, uh, I can't go knock on all their doors or call their mom and dads, unfortunately in this situation. So, um, we're getting lots out of lots of them. Um, but it's, uh, like you said, it's a really challenging time to, um, to, to get as detailed. So you just preach good habits right now. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's a tough situation. I had, I mean, I had a long, a long over an hour call with, with my other coach this morning about a lot of the same stuff you're touching on of, of keeping our, our guys. Um, yeah. I, I think right now that instead of reinventing the wheel, that's why I, I, I defaulted right to, to Danny was like, he's got a great platform there that I don't need to go and start taking my own videos. The, the hockey network is an incredible thing. And, and, I never invented a drill. I just take it and make it my own for my own purposes that, that I love, I love stealing from each of you online and the best coaches are the best thieves. So I'm just going to take and Hey, Hey Danny, this is great. I love what you're doing. Can, can we get, I want to send this out, send me something so I can get my guys to sign up for it. That whatever the resources are that are out there, I don't need to recreate them. Danny's the first resource I sent to them um, because his platform will work and it's ready and it's right there that, I'm going to tell them you, you should do this every single day. And when they get to their exit meetings, by then they're probably going to have the mandate of, I need a tape of you doing this workout from project hockey every day, which, which might be what we're mandating. And even if it's not exactly what some of them need, it's still consistency and accountability that they have to keep the channels of communication open with us. So we can, we can always be adding layers on, um, and, and really know, are they putting in the work? So I have one, one question I'm going to throw at you here that you maybe think of something. So everything we just talked about, um, accountability and consistencies, talking about with, with your current players for next season, um, how in touch are you with prospects? Or I, I would, not as much as I'd like to be. It's, uh, it's prospects, or do you mean prospects or draft picks? People that are in our system or people that are up and coming? Uh, 
A little bit of both, to be honest with you. I mean, okay. it's, it's a little awesome. different, but... So all of our signed players are players that are signed that aren't with us yet. I'm, I'm in quite a bit of contact. We treat them like family. They're here all the time. We bring them in as often as we can. They're part of everything we do. Say like, so the, the geography of, uh, of Ontario is Toronto's about four hours away. So we have some players living in Toronto um, that I know when our team goes down to play in Toronto, we're grabbing those guys and, hey, come along, join the family. You might, you're not in the lineup, but you're with us. You're, you're a 67. So I get to see those players a lot more, and they're in the fold. And we're building development plans for them. And if they can, we're bringing them out to practice as much as we can. So heavily involved with our signed players. Prospects, only the GMs and assistant GM will say, hey, I need you to reach out to this guy. I've seen this. And, and that's kind of more on a one-off basis. Um, but right this time of year, our draft's on April 4th. So we got a draft coming up here shortly that I'm now – being inundated with video as we rank our final kids and we say, okay, this guy's a three skater, but Derek, what do you think you can make him into? I'll be like, no, he's stuck at three or I think I can make him into a four. Or, oh, this is easy. This one's a five. Like this kid, he, you can draft him in the third, but he's got first round speed now that we can change him for you. So they'll, we'll, we'll consult on those types of things and help move kids up and down, which for me, I think is kind of, it's a little bit of my drug. Because I, I like that challenge of saying, hey, we like this guy. We think he's got tons of hockey sense. He does a lot of great things, but maybe his skating's not quite right. Maybe his shot is just he's not getting his shot off. And it's like, and it's great to go in and dissect and say, yeah, you guys are right. However, here's what you're missing. And, and get to do, do the Datsuk or the Zetterberg thing and grab somebody from a lower round, but they end up being a really what, what would project out to be a, a one-two first-round draft pick kind of idea. Yeah, for sure. And for me, that kind of, that that's pretty interesting to me, and I'm kind of wondering the the idea. And I grew up in in the United States and played in the USHL. Uh, never really had really an idea of what the CHL was all about. Didn't get drafted in the WHL. Still a little bitter about that, but that's all right. We can talk <laughs> about too. that later. We're together. We're together. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, but. Uh, the way you're talking, like it sounds like the 67s are, are ran like an NHL team as far as like you need to have like here's our draft order, here's who we're having, what can you turn them into, here's piles on video of this kid. And my, my first question is, is, um, is that like that around the league or is that something that's pretty unique to your team and kids are pretty fortunate enough just to get drafted there to have that opportunity? Um, I would say that I was really naive when I first joined that when I came, I thought this was the standard. I, I, I had known Andre Turnier, our head coach previously, I coached his boys and we had consulted and he had helped me on a little bit of mentoring in the past. Um, so I knew he was extremely professional, extremely organized, very detailed. He is the leader of all leaders and it's, and it's this big group effort. He's, he's a great human being and coach. And so I knew what he would bring, but I didn't realize how much um, different he had made this environment over all others. Because I sit down, I talk to colleagues in similar positions across Canada, and they're just in awe of what the benefits and the time we get with our athletes and the structure that comes with it. That there are other clubs that are close, but I'll, I'll puff my chest out a little bit and say I don't think anybody does it the way we do. And it is very much ran to the fullest our fullest capabilities as an NHL franchise. Um, and, th and that starts with our ownership. Our ownership's incredible. So it's, we go from the top all the way down. Everybody's contributing. Everybody's putting on their work boots every day. And, and we just make it the best place we can to turn out the absolute best athletes we can at the end of the day. Cause it's about their goal. 
and, and reaching that goal. And we're just kind of the vehicle for them. Yeah, absolutely. And, and kind of looking at that top down as far as uh, I would love for you to kind of dive into just a few of your players that you have with you right now. I know when we talked a little about a little bit, you've got some high uh, possible NHL first round, second round draft picks. And so the, the one thing I, I would love for you to is kind of give them a shout out, but then talk about why they're going to be there and why they'll, why they'll get to play this game and make, hopefully make a lot of money doing it and yeah. just their work ethic and different things like that. Yeah. Um, well, I'll, this year, going into the draft, we have uh, we have a pretty incredible class. We have Marco Rossi, Austrian born. Um, he he's projected to go top five. Um, if he was six foot two, he'd be going first overall without a doubt. Um, I'd say that's probably his limitation. And we have Jack Quinn, kind of a dark horse that um, that he's he's worked his way from the third round and in the initial projections into the top ten, and he could even creep down closer to Marco because uh, his game has absolutely exploded. Um, so uh, we're, we're pretty lucky to have that high-end talent, and I think that's, that's a product of, of the way we are ran, back to your previous question. Uh, we are ran like an NHL team, and our guys are NHL-ready a lot quicker than I would say many other franchises are. Um, Marco, the, the differentiator, the guy is an absolute student. He, he eats, sleeps, breathes. Hockey is his job, and he refers to it as his job. It's not a hobby. It's not a social thing. He gets those bits out of it, but this is his job. Like my part of my job, and I've become really, really close with Marco. That so much so that I'm going over to, to train him in Austria during the off season and everything. Really? That it, that it, that I have to almost slow him down at times because he is so focused and so driven, and he's got he's got a great network of support around him too. So. I think that, that his intangible and why he is where he is is just based on that focus. He has dedicated himself to succeeding at being an NHL hockey player, and he will. If you, I'd equate him to a, uh, I heard our head coach talking to some scouts earlier that were calling from NHL teams, and we equate him to a, a Jamie Benn. But, but let's, let me back that up. I equate his, his talent in that same kind of raw manner, but I would go to, to hybrid of, of a Datsuk that he's got that much creativity um, that he brings along with him as well. So he, he can, he plays just as good in the defensive zone as he does in the offensive zone. And that speaks, he was a plus 60 led the league. He would have been, he probably would have got to plus 80 by the end of the year. And that's, that's leading all of Canada. Yeah. Like he outdid uh, number one project Lafreniere in points. Um, the guy is just, he's an absolute machine. And it, it, you find yourself with your mouth wide open when you sit back and watch him. So, I mean, you're obviously really high on him. And he sounds like a, uh, an exceptional player. Yeah. Uh, and he's, he's your import player, right? He's from Austria. Correct. Yeah. Uh, so how did, how did, how did walk me through where you guys found him? How did, how did he come on your radar? And, and become a 67. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll I stay in my lane quite a bit here. I, I generally just work with who I'm given. I understand that like our GMs, our head GM and our assistant GM and our head coach, they work tirelessly, tirelessly and commit so much time to finding those players for our club. So it is purely out of their efforts, connections, network and knowledge that we get people like Marco. However, now because 
our organization is known to be at the standard it is, it seems like there's an influx of agents and people calling us that we aren't having to call them anymore. So it's hard to replace a Marco Rossi for sure. You're not going to get a first round import um, that comes onto your squad every year, but finding them hopefully becomes a little bit easier for us. But I know those guys are still out in the road grinding and, and putting in their time they they spend as much time overseas as they do uh, in North America. So it's uh, it's a dogfight out there. Every team across Canada wants these kids. Yeah. You're you're fighting for them, and they're they're free agents to go wherever they want. Canada, they can get drafted by any team. So you're you're not just competing against the OHL. We're competing against Canada, the entire league of the CHL. So they they grind hard. They work really hard to find these guys. Yeah, I can imagine that's got to be uh, it's a lot of competition to get those blue chip prospects into your yeah. organization. And we've been lucky to get a few in Nikita Yuktuk, uh, a Russian kid who's and he's he's the most Canadian Russian kid I've ever met. <laughs> uh, like he has a piece of my heart. The guy is such a great human being. He's been with us for three years, and I'm gonna I'm so happy for him that he's signed in New Jersey and he will be moving on. But it's it's hard to say goodbye to those those kids because you just and then the next kid coming in I feel even worse for him because nobody's going to be able to fill in for those shoes for these guys. Um, uh, it'll take some time, but maybe we can find the right one. But we've been lucky with our imports. It's uh, it's it's been a big piece of our team success. That's for sure. Yeah, I can imagine. Well, let me you know speaking of. I've got two questions here for you. I'm, I'm debating right. which one to ask first here. One's uh, let, let's just, let's stay on kind of the topic we're on a little bit. So earlier you mentioned something about the four pillars and yeah. you kind of talked through a little bit about those, but can you, can you circle back on that and talk about yeah, from, a, from a higher level, like what are those four pillars and how does that each, each concept, like an application so, of both those concepts do? So you, if you think, if you think of a team systems, you, you want to play a certain way, you, your X's and O's are one thing. But how you execute and how you are relentless and really difficult to play against is dictated by your tactical plan, which supports your team plan, your X's and O's. So you can play whatever system you want. But how you make that the hardest to play against is by how you execute a tactical plan. And for us, we took it and we broke into what we call our four pillars. So um, we're, we're working on, we revise them every year and we were talking about them again today, but our four pillars for, for this season were um, we created a give and go game. We create, we created space for ourselves and others. Um, we, what we called closing quickly. And then our second actions around the net and what, what each of those might sound a little bit vague in, for yourselves because um, you don't live them. But for us, like, for example, like the give and go game, it's how we find free space. We give the puck, we explode onto free space. We're not puck watching. How do we create openings for ourselves and the others around us? Um, we're active after passes, our, we're heads up under pressure, we're creating two-on-ones all over the ice. So just this is high level um, um, breakdown of it. And then with creating space, there's, uh, there's, there's all kinds of different areas of the ice and it'll look different whether you're a D man or a forward, but how we use counter hits um, and what we, what we call like butt out, how we create space by just putting our butt out, pushing players where we need them to go, putting them in negative ice, and keeping the positive ice for ourselves. Um, how we cut into other teams, other players' hands, cut through their ice. Um, how we win 50, 50 battles that, that we, how we teach them tactically, how to make it a hundred zero. Um, 
puck protection. And then lastly is how we challenge the D in, in creating space. So whether you're on zone entry and you don't have the puck, but now you're cutting, slashing across through the defender's stick, well, you're challenging that D and you're creating space for the puck carrier. So it's it's the, the thought of having uh, selfless hockey versus selfish. If you're selfish, you worry about doing something to create space for yourself. If you're selfless, you try and create space for others. So that, that in general, I don't know if I need to go through them all here, but that's just how we break it down. And then those are the themes to our practices. And that's how we build into our tactics is through these themes. So it, it, we're not just talking about, oh, we're working on our D zone. No, we're working on creating space. Okay, here's how we're going to do it. But don't forget, we're accountable to our system first. But this is how we're going to work on creating space. And that makes us really hard to play against. And you can just you just you just watch some of our film and I don't know why anybody would want to play us because the details of our tactics are greater than what even our systems. You, good luck if you can break down our system, then great for you. But then you got to run into how we play tactically on top of that, which are two separate things for us. Yeah, and that's just that's a huge difference, and I, I can see that. And I've been lucky enough to get some like behind the scene footage of some of your practices. You'll send me some clips and. Uh, the cool thing is like you can hear you talking to other coaches like, no, 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 the pressure needs to come from here. The pressure needs to come this way or, or that's not enough or it's too much. And like, it's those little tiny details that you just don't see in every single practice, especially ones where you'd call quote unquote skills practices. And the idea of like, we're, we're doing our D zone right now, but you could do it in billion different ways. And, and here's how like that butt out thing, we talked about that a lot with defense and, and creating space that way. And, uh, counter hits and things like that. And so, um, not so much a question here, but I, I just wanted to really point out like the difference in like practicing with a purpose and like everything you do Absolutely. has a purpose. And uh, again, it's just a tribute to what you guys are doing there in Ottawa. Yeah. It's why you had so much success this season. And yeah, there's no back of a napkin approach that well, I'm fortunate. Like the average everyday minor hockey coach doesn't have all the resources, doesn't have all the experience, doesn't have all the support, even if they're great coaches. Um, but I'm pretty fortunate in our environment. I do. There's pretty much nothing that we can't accomplish if we don't want, Hey, I need a camera at center ice tonight for, today for the skill session, because I'm working on this here and I want to see that. Yeah, no problem. We got to, there's somebody up there with a broadcast team putting up a camera and then I got a feed that I can look after that. We're pretty fortunate that lots of our requests are met. However, that doesn't, how to tie this back to the main, the people that really care and the, and the, the mean of, of coaches is take an iPad on the ice mm -hmm. for like, it's so important. If, if it's not on video, it's like, it didn't even happen. You need to, the coaches can take advantage of those same. I might be able to get a camera center ice and it'd be loaded on an iPad when I get off the ice, but I'll, every coach takes their phone out there and you can, you can make those same changes within your game and be able to show those athletes live um, in your own capacity. So what, what we do here can always be pared down to what every single coach across North America or the world can do as well. Mm -hmm. I'm just fortunate and I, and I feel it. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you talk a lot about, I mean, even to that level of bringing the, the iPad out to, for instant feedback and, and, and critique. I mean, it, a lot of it seems to be what you're saying is tying back to details in the way that, yeah. that you guys are doing it, even with the the tactics that you're the minor details of, and yeah. the, the tactics, which I'm sure for me, just listening to you talk, it, 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 it seems to me like that probably ties in very closely with the culture that you built there as well. 
Um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you can feel it because I get excited talking about this. If I could talk about this every day, like I probably need this right now being quarantined. <laughs> this, is, this is the most liberating thing. And I just get so excited to, to share and to and hopefully inspire other people like to take those same details into their own, what they're doing that be confident to, to make a lot of mistakes. Cause we ask our players to fail forward. So if failure is okay, as long as you're moving forward. And that's the same thing with coaches. I think we get stung with, you know, it's gotta be perfect. I'm, I'm not just coaching these 17 players on the ice with my team right now. I got those 30 parents that are looking through the glass that are judging me as well. And we get so caught up in, in trying to make it all perfect that we don't allow enough room for failure that, I think we need to, to realize that the failure is part of the process for, for every single coach. And, and, and in order to expedite your success, well, you can use things like video. You can enable your assistant coaches. You can have a better plan, but just know that, that development isn't, isn't a straight uphill. Development is up and down, up and down. And we have to be okay with ourselves as coaches having a failure or something blowing up. And we have to be, and we have to encourage our athletes to fail or else progress is limited. So yeah. I think what you just hit on is a really important uh, piece of advice for a lot of the coaches out there and the parents out there that might be listening to this here. Um, but just being able to handle some adversity uh, and like, as you put it, fail forward. But I think that that just being able to, to, for a player or a person on the rink, off the rink, just in life in general, being able to, to experience a little bit of adversity in their life and yeah. and figure out how the mindset and the in the way to get past that and and thrive as a result of overcoming that adversity is for me like that's one of the things i try to work with my players on all the time um because you know the level i coach those guys aren't going on to the pros and they're not going on to they're going on to to, to go and provide for their families down the road and their jobs yeah. and there's always going to be adversity and i find like the the players that are coddled and never find adversity because they're never challenged and pushed outside of their comfort zone eventually they get to a point where they just fail and they don't know how to deal with it. Yeah. I think, I think hockey, I think the word is microcosm. It's just a microcosm of life. Really the successes and failures you're going to have and, and whatever level you're coaching, that's just the degree of impact that, that you can have. You can teach them what success and failure is. It doesn't matter if it's I'm here with elite athletes that are going to make way more money than I ever will. Or if you're coaching minor hockey and novice, you're still teaching success and failure. You're still teaching accountability. You're teaching all these lessons that are going to carry you forward. Like, so I, I say I'm the sum of all my coaches I ever had. And I alluded to it at the beginning that, that I've had some, in, through minor hockey, I can tell you which ones were good for me, which ones are bad for me. But I can also recognize that some of the ones that weren't so good for me were good for others. It's just different styles. But now I look back and I look at all my coaches and why I'm the sum of all them is because I've taken everything that I've, that, I've, that I've learned and recognize it. I don't coach every athlete the same. It, our coaches need to understand what do they need from me. Some, some kids want, uh, want the, the rosy red ass. Hey, you're doing great. Like, congratulate. Keep going. And some right. kids want that harder message. But you have to understand who your audience is and not one approach applies to every kid. But if you want to truly have as much success and make that exponential, you need to really care about the player first and the athlete second. And then they will, if they feel that, then they're going to work really hard for you. Every single level. Have fun. Enjoy it. They're happy to come to the rink, novice to NHL. And they're going to show up and they're going to work hard for you. Not because you tell them to, but for you. I love that. I love that. We've touched on a lot of good things here. We're kind of, I got one last little question I want to throw at you. And Dan, I don't know if Danny's got one too, but I was reading your bio and it, it said that you spent some time coaching in Scotland. 
I did. Give me a quick rundown on how that happened and what that experience was like for you. Cause that, that strikes a chord with me. I love, I love the uh, non-traditional international hockey scene. Yeah. You know what? It was probably one of the, it was great timing and it was an, it was an absolutely um, what's the word. Um, it was an enlightening experience. Let's say that I, I just moved here to Ottawa. I had just quit my, my job I moved here for because I wanted to do it myself and do it better. Um, and I met a family that had come over and they were, they came over for a hockey camp here and we happened to be running a camp next door. The guy comes over, he's like, I, I won't do my Scottish accent, but he comes over and tells me, well, actually he's in Northern English. Yeah, I won't do his Northern English accent from Scotland. And he says, uh, and he says like, I love what you guys are doing here. Like, would you come, come to Scotland? I'm like, geez, I barely even left Canada or the USA. I don't think, I think I've been to Mexico once and I've never, so I was like, uh, yeah, yeah, sure. When, when can we come? And I jumped on it. And we ended up talking back and forth and they wanted us to, uh, come. I thought it was a, a local community camp and we're going to be coming in. But about two weeks before he tells me, yeah, we got 120 national team players. We got all the best from across Scotland. We are actually even, they heard you're coming. We're bringing some kids up from England and it ended up being a massive program that I would equate their talent level to being AAA. That's their max. They could play AAA here. There was a few exceptions, a few kids. We ended up long-term. We brought them over and we got them and got them some scholarships and they've had some decent careers over here. But it, it came together so organically and it just felt like such a, um, an odd thing because you don't hear of the Scottish national team ever. Right. But there's, there's, the, the difference was it, what they lacked in skill, they made up for and how much they cared. Mm-hmm. they valued that ice time because if you've never been there or coach there, most of their rinks are curling rinks Monday to Friday, mm-hmm. Friday night, they flood, they cover all the rink, the curling rink over and it becomes a hockey rink Saturday, Sunday. So they only get ice Saturdays and Sundays. And then Sunday yeah. night, they shave it down. They turn it into a curling rink again, by and large across the country. So for them, every opportunity they get is a really important one. So they worked so hard. The people were amazing. Um, the the group that w- that we were working with ended up going back and forth for a good part of three years, sometimes five times a year, sometimes three times a year. But it was uh, it was one of the most fulfilling and kind of it felt like one of those giving back kind of moments. Like I'm kind of paying forward this fortunate opportunity I have to be involved in hockey in North America, and I get to share that with these great people that just genuinely have an interest in the game that it's not they feel like they have to play hockey because it's their national sport they just they love the game yeah so, i think that's like it's such a like a pure form yeah. of hockey like I've, I've i've been fortunate enough to coach overseas a couple times as well and I, I no matter where i go to these kind of non-traditional areas where you just don't think of hockey being there i i found exactly what you just ran through where the people yeah. are are so appreciative of you know, a new opportunity to learn from somebody yeah. they are so devoted and the sacrifices they make and, and the, and how they are able to squeeze every drop out of every opportunity is just yeah. unreal to me. And it's so refreshing. Um, it uh, just it, cause it's so different than I think sometimes you can get kind of calloused on some of the, the hockey politics in Canada or in the U S and in the higher levels you go, it seems like sometimes they get worse and worse. And, and all of a sudden you, you take a breath of fresh air outside that bubble. Um, yeah. it's amazing. We would go there and we would grind it for 12 hours a day on the ice. We'd be eight to eight and we would have 50 <laughs> breaks every two hours. And our hooves were barking by the end of the day. 
like they ended up bringing in, they had foot baths in the coaches. <laughs> for us. They had brought us like lunch. It's like catered lunch and snacks. They felt so bad for us. But at the end of it all, we left feeling just like our batteries were totally recharged yeah. and batteries were recharged. We were also a little bit bitter coming home at times. So we're like, these kids have back in Canada have no idea the amount of energy and work they could still be putting in. They take it all for granted. Right. So we would be, we'd be recharged, but we'd also come back firing all cylinders and kids would be looking at us like, Jesus, what happened to these guys? Like they're all over me when we, you get a little bit different from most, the majority of North American athletes in my experience, than then you'd get from those kids that are just feeling fortunate to be on the ice. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Cameron, I don't know if you have any other questions or if you wanted to kind of no, tie I think a bow on this. So many good pieces of info there, Derek. I appreciate it. Um, I think I think the little talk of uh, Scottish ice hockey is is a good positive uh, ending to to a great discussion. I'm sure we'll have more more of these talks in the future here. But no, that's it for me, Danny. Let me hand it to you. Yeah, definitely. Uh, one, we appreciate you coming on. Um, we definitely want to get you on more and more because I, I think we barely scratched the surface of of what you know and what you can share with us and, and just the idea of like, honestly, this is, this is what we all need right now, this type of connection. And yeah. yes, it's on a, on a podcast and, and different things like that, but this is, this is what it is right now. And so with that being said, where, where can the people find you? Um, and then if you want to talk a little bit about that uh, hockey at home hashtag that you've started and just how everyone can find you and, and different things like that. Yeah. Um, Hey, I, you can you can find us on all the, the regular social channels. Uh, Next Gen HKY is our handle across the board. Um, you can find us there. All of our contact information is there. We love direct messages. We love people who ask questions. We love people who send us videos. That we're we're junkies just like everybody else out there. So the more the merrier. Um, nothing nothing's off limits uh, for us. That we love to help in every instance that we can. It's it's all about giving. It's all about sharing and collaboration for us. Um, we need to make it a business at the end of the day to put some food on the table, but I'll, uh, I'll, I'll help in any way we can help anybody. So um, the, the hockey at home, I think, has been a, 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 a pretty good success that it, whether it's just a hashtag or whether it gives people purpose or whether it's a reminder that, hey, I want to put something up there for, the, for hockey at home and I want to show what I'm doing, I think it's a nice way for, for everybody to – to grab onto that hashtag and look, okay, well, I'm doing this. Oh, that's pretty interesting. Maybe I can add that on. Or you know what? I'm doing I'm doing a great job and pat yourself on the back for doing some great things. It's just nice to bring all that content together in one place. I can't take all the credit. Uh, that was my right-hand man. Evan came up with the idea. I might have steered him in the hockey at home direction, but um, this this is his thing, and I'm, and I'm glad we, we came up with it because even for us, we're looking at it every day and going, hey, should we share this with so-and-so? I think that would work for them. And Versus trying to search out every single hockey resource. If, if people are tagging people in hockey at home, it's just, it makes it that much easier for us and for them. And we're just really happy it's taken off and it, it's become a resource for people. It, it is. I, I check that hashtag every day. And I'm telling you right now, if you don't follow Next Gen Hockey, Next, N E X T G E N H K Y, you're missing out. Like, honestly, you can scroll through his feed on his Instagram for, and I know Evan, Evan plays a role in that too. And you guys are, are collaborating with that, but you can scroll with that. I, I think yesterday I, I caught myself, I, I looked at my phone at your, your feed and then I looked up and it was like 45 minutes later. So you can get lost in some of those drills and yes, you, you can't see the entire picture cause you're not behind the scenes, but 
like coach said here, it's a, it's a quick email or uh, a direct message. Hey, can you explain this a little bit? And I guarantee he's going to welcome that with open arms. Or you're going to give us some content to put up. We're going to make something and put it out there for you. So yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. Well, yeah, a lot of, a lot of passion, obviously a lot of passion from your end, Derek, growing the game, helping your, your direct athletes out and putting out a lot of good um, informative information to help parents, players, and coaches out there um, that aren't working directly with you. So for that, I thank you. That's awesome. Um, I think that's all I've got. We're going to wrap it up here. I appreciate you coming on, Derek. I wish you the best of the luck of the off season and, and prepping for a draft time. Uh, and, and I'm sure we'll have you come do this again if you're willing to put up with Danny and I for another another go. We'll be back tomorrow if you guys want it. Thanks for having me, fellas. <laughs> Absolutely. Awesome. Can we get a let's go? Yeah, let's go, yeah. <laughs> well, let's, get, let's get a good one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. I appreciate it. We'll talk soon. Take care.